about. So I ask you, if you will, whether you like me or love me, and if you're trying to get into heaven, you need to love me. So I ask you this. Would you bow your heads and pray with me that above everything else that is said here today, that it would be the Holy Spirit that is not only glorifying God through these lips, through this man that is faltered. And if you think I'm lying, ask my wife. She's on the front row. She'll tell you how messed up and broken I am. But I don't want this to be about me. This has to be about his will for each one of us. Because I can't redeem any of you. I couldn't even save myself. It was by his grace and mercy. So if you'll bow your heads with me for just a moment so that we can pray. Most gracious and heavenly father, I ask you this morning, would you embody me with your spirit that it would be none of Willis, but all of you, that you would be glorified here today, Lord God. And if there's anything that comes from my lips that is not of you, Father, would you just cast it aside and let no one remember it? Because I desire only one thing above all else, that you would be glorified in everything that I say and do. I do not take this calling lightly. I trust and know that, Father, that everything that I say and do, that it will be in line with your perfect will. Father, I ask that you give us the ears to hear what you are going to say, not me. And, Father, I pray that also that this would also apply to me, that I would hear from heaven as what you would have me to say. So, Father, would you be glorified in everything that is said and done here today? I ask all this in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Now, one thing that a brother said to me today um, I have a big mouth. I love to talk about Jesus, um, and I oftentimes talk fast. So I'm today to slow down. I think if I do that, it also might help me. So title of today's sermon is Peculiar People. Now, I wanted to kind of, Pat, Pastor Pat and I talked about this. I wanted to kind of, if you would, Chris, I want to talk about what peculiar people are not. So I don't know after this is shown, I may never be called back up here to preach again, but that's okay. I felt like I need to address that. yourselves, are you one of God's peculiar people? If so, does your lifestyle reflect that truth? If you'll turn with me to Deuteronomy 14, 2. For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord has chosen thee to be a peculiar people unto himself above all the nations upon the earth. In the Hebrew, peculiar is defined as a valued property or a special treasure. This is how God views the church as set apart for only him. We can no longer be the gomer, for God remains the faithful husband in this relationship. God speaks numerous times in the Old Testament of peculiar people. Deuteronomy 7, 6, Leviticus chapter 20, verse 26, a people set apart to himself. As the church, we're not supposed to fit in. We cannot serve God in the world. To serve God is to be different. Yet we dress, act, and speak like the world. 
To serve God is where our key is at. Our divorce rate is almost as high as the non-Christian. How is this possible when we have God's instructions on how to live and love others? If you'll turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should shew forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Church, let us be the peculiar people Jesus has called us to be. Titus 2.14 Who gave himself for us that we might redeem us from all iniquities and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. If you have received Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you have the unique privilege of being called God's peculiar people. But the question is, do we bear that characteristic of peculiar people? Are we zealous for the gospel do we or do we compromise ourselves? We are commanded to love our neighbor, but that does not mean that we are to participate in the pagan ways of this world. Church, let us be peculiar people that Jesus called us to be. Turn with me, if you will. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17. Now, because I'm an old Southern Baptist pastor from the way of um, San Diego, um, if you ever, if I'm up here speaking and you're like, man, this guy's going too fast, just say, hold on. Because I'm, and the Baptist church, we'd be like, if you have it, say amen. So, I mean, um, I can do that. I have no problem with doing that. But I'm also, I, I don't want to go on this journey alone. And I don't want anyone ever to feel like, man, this guy, what does he think he's doing, racing? No, I want us to have a conversation. So please let me know. I can only get better at it if we have criticism. And uh, I'll take your criticism at the end, Dave. All right. So here, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So wait a minute. Is Paul saying to me that I'm no longer to be the old man that I used to be? That the things that I used to do, I, I should not longer do anymore? Is he telling me that I should seek my identity in Jesus? Wait, what? So I'm supposing to be, as Chris said, different? that I shouldn't be who I used to be, that I'm supposed to, my identity should be in Christ, that I should imitate, imitate Christ as the things that he did that I should also do? So wait a minute, are, are we saying that if I want the world to know Jesus, they need to first see him in me? So I, I, I can no longer tell people how to be good and continue in my sin? That doesn't sound right. Jesus can't expect me to do that, does he? 
if I'm one of the peculiar people he does. He wants me to be a reflection of him. That when the world looks at me, they see all of him. None of Willis. Because like I said, if you want to know Willis, talk to Dee. She'll give you the rundown and you'll probably never want to speak to me again after that. Which is okay. I've got enough friends. Christmas is coming. So if I have less friends, less presents I have to buy. But it is so important that we understand, guys. We can't have one foot in and one foot out. Because really, if you have one foot in, one foot out, you're actually out. Okay? You can't serve Jesus in the world. If you're not serving him wholeheartedly with all of yourself, all of your body, mind, and soul, then you're not serving him all. You're serving your flesh. Which means then we may want to check what we ever really redeemed. Because there should be a change. We literally, I, I can tell you that I'm not the guy that when you first met me, when I first came here, I'm not that guy. I used to tell a little joke, and I was going to do it in the beginning, but I forgot it. Um, t- t- today, the only reason I'm here is because Pastor Lewis is not here. Um, do we pay that guy, John? No, he's not. Okay. Um, when I first got here, John somehow thought my name was Lewis. So Phil comes up to me and says, uh, hey, uh, Pastor Willis, I thought your first name was Willis. John said it's Lewis. So every night and I throw the joke in there, Pastor Lewis is not here, so you're stuck with me today. But my hope is that when you do see your pastors here, that you're seeing God working in them. But I do tell you this. Please remember this. We're a work in progress, as each one of you are. So let's afford each other grace and mercy when we're dealing with one another. But remember, the key above all else is that we want to emulate our Lord and Savior. Because the word Christian is to be Christ-like. So if when you look at me, you see none of Christ in me, then guess what? Willis needs to reassess his salvation. Willis needs to reassess his walk with God. Um, If it's all about the Willis program, and Dee has lived with that program for 20 years, and she'll tell you it's not all that great. But God's program is the best program because he has promised to complete the work that he began in us. Each person in here probably even may have, some of you may have tried to be good people on your own. Um, If you go up to someone in the world and you start talking to them about Jesus, the first thing they will tell you is, I'm a good person. Um, I'm kind of like a little smarter than I used to be. The only good thing in me is Christ Jesus. And if we were so good, then that would make Jesus the biggest idiot on the planet. Because most people said he's either Lord, lunatic, or a liar. I call him Lord because I know that I couldn't redeem myself. I tried and I failed and I never would be good enough, even on my very best. Because God is good, not Willis. God is good. So the reason that we want to make sure as the peculiar people, that means we're set apart. We don't think we don't do the things that we used to do, but that we're looking to Jesus and saying, how is it that I must live? So now if you're saying, well, yeah, that'd be great, Pastor Willis. How is that? Well, his word tells us how we do that. Earlier on, I I quoted in here, I said that how to live and to love others. He's consistently telling us that as I have loved you, I want you to love one another. To love others as I've loved myself. I was listening to a Phil Wickham song this morning, and in the song, he quoted about that even if you hate me, I will still love you. Because that is the Jesus way. So in everything we do, I had to reassess some things for myself. One of them was the TV that I used to watch, I had to ask myself, why do I care if the guy in this TV show is a homosexual or he's transgender? If my house is on fire, I just want you to put my house out. 
I don't need to know about your private life. And so then I had to say, I can't watch this stuff anymore because what it is edifying God is trying to condition me to say that sin is okay. As children of God, we can never say, hey, it's okay. It's not a cute little thing that we can pet and rub and take it in our arms and get friendly with it. You do understand that sin is death. It is a separation from God. It hates you. It has no desire to see the betterment of you. Sin always promises high and delivers low. The opposite of what God promises for you. He has promised you eternal life. He loved you so much that he stepped down from glory. He belittled himself to become one of us. It's like one of you guys becoming a snail. We are children of the king. Let us start to act, speak like the children of the king. We should literally be in a room and someone should be able to walk up to you and say, John, there's something different about you. And John smiles and says, I'm glad you asked that question. Let me tell you why, that in the middle of the storm, when I was being attacked at work, when all these things were happening to me, when I almost got fired the other day, why you still have, see a smile on my face? Because I trust in the one who is able to deliver me. I trust in the one who has brought me this far, and he will not forsake me nor leave me. So my life is dedicated to him. I am a bondservant to him, that whether I have much or I have little, it is because of who he is. And that is what I'm trusting in. So that is why I am different. Because you see, the average human being, they go to work. Most of us men in this room, we know that, hopefully we know this, that we need to work to care for our wives, our children, and our families. We've been called to do this. I go to work, and there are days I'm sitting in the parking lot because the enemy has gotten in my ear and saying, today's the day we're going to get you fired. And I would struggle with it. I would cry in the parking lot. And I realized why I was crying, because I wasn't trusting God. I was trusting me. Finally, one day, the enemy hit me with that. And it was just so funny. I laughed at him, and I said, so what if I do get fired today? It is God who sustains me. Everything that I have, it is God's. So if I get fired today, I just have to say as I'm driving away, okay, Daddy, well, I guess let me give you my list of bills you got to pay, because I got to trust you. I would, my wife, and God bless my wife, she's such an amazing woman. She says, if you are living under a bridge, I will live under that bridge with you. And I remember thinking, okay, well, that just means I'll get to meet some more of our homeless outreaches more. But I know that God is my hope. And as a peculiar person, my focus is not about on how I want the world to see me, but about how I want them to see Christ moving and living in me. I can take this and go knock on doors, holding this up like this, smiling. People go, oh, there's a nut job out there at my door. I'm not going to let the door open. But what I have found for me in my workspace is that, and it's been a blessing to have people tell me, well, you know, you're a nice guy. And then I tell some of them I'm a Christian. They're like, really? One girl told me that her, her father was a Christian and they went to a Methodist church and they never saw him smile. She thought I was just a nice guy because I told clean jokes as I asked. She's like, no, the jokes are always clean. They're funny, but you always seem to care about everybody. And I said, but that's what Christians are supposed to do. She said, my mother and father are always angry looking. So why would I want to believe? Even, even, the, even the priest seems to always be angry. So guys, we can smile. We can reflect Jesus in such ways that people should come up to us and ask that question. They should see such a difference. But if we look like 
act like, dress like, and talk like the world, why is anybody going to come up to you and go, Wayne, are, are, are you a Christian? I mean, you could write it on your forehead, and then they'd be like, oh, yeah, should have known that's another one of those people. But guys, I ask that you today would let the life you live speak of Jesus. You've already lived a life that spoke of you. Let me ask some of you, how did that work out for you? So I encourage you today, when you think of peculiar people, as Chris said in the song, it's different. The Apostle Paul made it clear that the big difference between Christians and the world is that the fact that we believe only through Jesus Christ can mankind be saved. Through this world, a crucified Messiah is foolishness. To others, it's a stumbling block. But this teaching is ultimately what sets Christians apart from the world. Believing in the life, death, resurrection of Jesus and following him with our whole heart, mind, and body is what makes us a peculiar people. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. So I don't have to fit into the world. So I don't have to look like the world or act like the world to share the gospel. So preacher man, are you saying that my Christian values should set me apart from the world that hates Jesus? Yes. If you are a peculiar people, we should act so. We must be church. We must be rooted in Christ alone. We cannot be rooted in the world or the things of this world because they are passing away for one thing. And they don't love you. They have no desire for you. But Jesus loves you so much. He demonstrated that on a cross at Calvary. What can you tell me that the world has done for you? When's the last time you've actually experienced something really good from the world that Christ's hand was not involved in it, blessing you in spite of what the world feels about you. Turn with me to John 17, verses 15 to 17. I do, not, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is true. Love your neighbor as yourself. What does the word of God invite the church to become lovers of this world? The church validation must be in Christ alone not in the world or the things of this world. To be set apart is what the church is called to be. Church, let us become the peculiar people Jesus has called us to be. Lord, we want all of you and none of ourselves. When we look in the mirror, I pray that, Lord, that when we look, we see all of you. When the world looks at us, Lord Jesus, let it see you and not us. Because I no longer want to live for me, but I want it all to be about you. And I pray that each one of us today, that that would be the one thing that we would leave here saying, Lord, examine my heart, examine my life. And whatever is not of you, please remove it, pluck it from me. 
I pray that each one of you would be like Jeremiah, that there would be a fire set inside of your breast today, that you couldn't hold it in, that you want to tell the word, the world about who Jesus Christ is and what he has done for you personally in your own life. This book is amazing. This book, we want to write it into our hearts. But when you pick it up and you walk up and say, hey, can I, can, can I tell you about this thing? Understand the person is hearing your reading, but they're examining who are you. You want them to, to, to want to know more about this because they've seen it in action in you. You would be surprised how many people in the world know John 3.16 and know so many other scriptures. But when they look at us, they say, I'm not seeing any of that being lived out in their lives. So if, if we want to be living epistles for Jesus, then let's live as the children of Christ. Let us become the peculiar people that he's called us to be. Now, I want to talk about something else now because I think it's important. I've, I've given you some scriptures, but I also want to talk about what the peculiar people are not. We don't need to go back to the photo. We kind of gathered what they are not. So if you will turn with me to 2 Timothy, verses, chapter 3, verses 2 through 5. For people will be lovers of self, of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. So wait a minute. We're talking about people who become narcissists in the final days? Wait, isn't that now? We often disguise love yourself from the world's perspective when it's all about selfishness, which is the opposite of what God expects his children to walk in. I felt like that scripture needed to be read in case someone walks away going, well, you know, he talked about peculiar people, but what are they? In case you didn't get that already, I figure this will tell you what they're not. Notice I said in here that they become lovers of self, lovers of money, proud and arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful and unholy. If you are a child of God, then the love of God should dwell within you. So these things cannot apply for you. If you have these qualities in you, I encourage you to begin to pray and ask God. Ask God, how, do, how does this get removed from me? Because if they're seeing this in me, they can't see you. I have muddied the waters of my life, and all they see is this, which is the same thing they see in themselves. So therefore, when I stand up here and I'm speaking to them, they're thinking, really, you're just a hypocrite. I see you do the same things I do. You watch the same TV. You use the same horrible jokes. So we need to know what a peculiar person isn't. I felt that that was so important that... We, I read that to you and examine that scripture above all else and make sure that when you're looking at yourself before others look at you, are these qualities that are found in me? Because if they're qualities found in you, is this what Jesus wants in you? And I'll give you a hint. No. And if you say, well, man, you know what? I've been trying to stop this behavior. I can promise you this. If you keep going to the throne, keep going to the throne, keep telling him, I want you to make this change in me. He will do it because he is faithful. Not only that, because you're asking him for something that he already wants to do in you already. 
So why would the father not give you the thing that he already wants to have you do anyway? He wants you to emulate him. He loved even his enemies. The Bible says that foxes have holes and the birds have nests. But yet the son of man didn't even have a stone to lay his head about. So he didn't come here to make this about him, guys, in case you didn't get that. If, if you missed him hanging on the cross, if you missed him being beaten to the point that flesh and bone were separated, if you missed the horrificness that he endured, he didn't do that because he was bored and just wanted to come on a vacation. Because I'm quite sure, since he is the creator of the universe, he could have found somewhere better to be. He did that because he loved you, 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 and even me. And even those yet to come, he has loved us enough that he said, I will go and I'll pay the price. He didn't ask you to go up and martyr yourself on a cross. He said, follow me. Paul even said, follow me as I follow Christ. Because Paul was aware of the one thing. He said, the things I should not do, I do. And the things I should do, I do not do. So I'm not expecting you to walk out the door and go, man, I got that. Thank you, preacher. No, there are days I feel so bad. I go into my study and I say, Lord, help me to be the husband that you need me to be, the one that she deserves. Help me to be the father that you need me to be, that my children can see all of you. Help me to be the brother to my brothers that you need me to be. Help me to be that witness to those around me because I fail at it. And probably sometimes the problem is Willis gets all full of himself and thinks he has it. But in the reality, I have to daily, I wake up in the morning and part of my meeting with him in my closet is to say, Lord, I'm coming and I want to give thanks to you. I want to, I want to start off in thanks to you. And then I want to speak a blessing over all the people around me. And then I want to come into that place of talking about what, what, where I've fallen short, what I need more of you and less of me. Because I want him to understand that I'm, number one, grateful for all that he's done for me. And I also want to speak a blessing over others because he blesses you to be a blessing to others. That's the only reason why you were left here after you got saved. I mean, wouldn't that have been great if he'd have just, man, raptured each one of you when you got saved? But then who would be to tell others about Christ? Who would be here to live it in such a way that people would be like, you know what? I actually believe that those Christians, one of my favorite um, early church fathers, and John mentioned it one time, is Tortillian. In one of his saying, he says to the church, have you heard what the world says about us Christians? He said, they said, see how they love one another. That is not what people say about us today, in case you guys haven't figured that one out. But I encourage us here at Trinity Bible Fellowship, let us be that peculiar people that God has called us to be. Let us live lives in such a way that someone is dying to know how is it that in the midst of everything, You've got a smile on your face and you're saying, naked did I come into this world and naked shall I leave. Like Job, Job says, because my redeemer lives. Job was trusting in that and that alone. Did not mean, we're all, if you haven't read the story, I encourage you to read it. In case you ever go through a struggle, then you can say, well, I've been Job too. But I encourage you to read it because here's a guy in a situation where his own beloved wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? Thanks, honey, for that. That's great. Love the support. Good for you. I'm going to get something great for you on Mother's Day after that. But he stayed faithful. I don't think any of you have been Job to that degree. And if he can hold on to Christ, I encourage us to hold on to him too. I encourage us to trust him enough to know that his will is what must be done in our life. 
to be set apart, to be consecrated. Earlier, I mentioned Gomer. I threw that in there and wasn't sure if anybody got that about Gomer, Gomer and Hosea. God used Hosea as an example of his relationship with us. I love all you, but I'm here to tell you all, we're all Gomers. We have eaten the raisin cakes of other gods. We have gone out and been unfaithful to our husband. I'm telling you today, we need to come back to our husband. He has remained faithful to you. I challenge one of you, if you have the story, please tell me after service. I want to hear your story, how you can tell me how God has been unfaithful to you. Because none of you, when you woke up this morning, was promised to wake up. I wasn't even promised that I was going to be able to get here and do this sermon. I wasn't even sure if I'd be able to stand up and get up here to do this. But it was by his grace and mercy. Every one of you are here by his grace and his mercy. Sometimes we get caught up and forget. There are no little blessings. I I hate when someone says, oh, you know, it was a little blessing. If it was so little, why couldn't I do it for myself? Everything that God does is amazing and beyond my ability to do it myself. The only thing that I hope to be able to do is emulate his love towards others. Be slow to speak, husbands. Quick to listen, husbands. And in everything that we do, show love. That's, that's not an easy process in a world that hates us. Everywhere I turn, I hear people telling me about how bad Christians are. And when I remind some of them based off my pigmentation that I am not only a Christian, but I am a Republican. And they are confused why I would do that because Republicans are um, racist. And I was like, okay, I've, I've been known to equally insult all groups equally, so I guess... I tell jokes about everyone, so I guess I'm a racist. But I encourage us people that if we are not making our lives about Jesus, it doesn't matter what they're saying. We don't want it to be true. They're always going to hate us. No matter what Jesus did, they hated him. He healed somebody on the Sabbath. They hated him. How ridiculous was this? He said, if your sheep fell in a hole, would you leave it there till Monday? But they were upset because he made a man's life better. So each one of you have the power to affect others, to change their lives. How would you feel if when you got to heaven, God showed you a video, not just 10, 20, but just one person, just one person that all he wanted you to do was reflect his love to that person and they would have come running to him. How would you feel if he showed you that and said, I sent you there? But everything that you did proved that I didn't exist. How would you feel then? Oh, you made it to heaven. He said, I had to send someone else because you decided life was all about you. That you were not my peculiar person that day because you got caught up in your own world. Guys, I'm not saying that this is an easy thing. I'm not saying that you're not going to have days when you fall back in this flesh. Because it is wretched. There's nothing good in it but Christ Jesus. Which is why we have to every day run to the throne. Every day we need to go seek Jesus. We can never do this on our own because we're going to fall right on our face. So the easiest way to become the peculiar patient is ensuring that you are tethered to Christ and Christ alone. That is our only hope is to be tethered to him.
promise I won't smack it on the pulpit. Thank you guys for coming out today. I pray that something in all of the utterances that came out of my mouth was God and not me. The reason that I felt like I wanted to bring this topic up is because as I was looking at the verses and I said, peculiar people. And the first thing that came to my mind was, oh, different. But then as I began to read the scriptures and understand that it was set apart. Every man that has a wife in this room, I can promise you that you're not thinking, well, you know, hey, if the neighbor comes over, wants to take my wife out, spend a couple of weeks with her, I'm okay. No. No. That's not how we would see that. You are the bride of Christ. So I can tell you, he does not want to share you with anyone. He doesn't want to share you with the world. He doesn't want to share you with the father of lies. You are set apart, meaning that you are his. I used the words sanctified earlier. That means that he has set you apart and said you are special. You are mine and mine alone. He proved that at Calvary. When he came and died for you, he paid the price, just like in the story of Hosea. Hosea went and bought his wife back from slavery. Jesus did that for you and I. So why would you run back to the slave master? Why would you be okay with the whispers of, it's God's wife, really. But I heard that she's with, and I heard she's with, and she's been with. Let us be faithful, as he has been faithful to you. An early church father was told, you're 82 years of age. If you just deny Jesus, we won't throw you into the flames and burn you. I love what this 82-year-old man said. He said, for 82 years, God has been faithful and good to me. Why would I ever, ever betray him? So I ask you that today. Examine your life for yourselves. Ask yourself, if I'm not the peculiar person, if I'm not a part of that family, how do I become a part of that family? We'd love to talk to you about it. We have pastors here. We would love to talk to you about it if you're not sure. And it is a daily thing, guys. So maybe today you did good and you mess up tomorrow. Shake the dust off your feet, pick up your cross, and continue to follow Jesus. We don't get this right right now. I would love it to come in here and have everything right and have no sin in my life. My wife would probably love that too. But that's not how this goes. He said in Philippians that he would complete the work that he's begun in me. And he knows I'm just so ready for him to have that done. But for now, I continue to march on. I continue to ask him day by day, let there be less of me and more of you. Show me how to love even those that don't love me back. I thought that was interesting as Phil Wickham talked about that. And I'm like, but that is who Jesus was. He came and died for those that hated him. That's not something that we think about right now is turning the other cheek. We get upset about, man, I'm a guy. This guy just hit me. I don't think so. We're going to, yeah, let's go. But Jesus is doing that for a reason. Because that's how the world already responds to everything. Violence, hate. But we're supposed to be children of light, salt. So I pray for you today that above everything else, that you would let the light of Christ shine in you. That the love of Christ would be found in you in everything that you do. Let us pray for one another, encourage one another, and love on one another. Because if we can't do it here, we're not going to be able to do it out there. If we can't start it in our homes with our wives and our children, 
I can promise you there's places that are going to be so overwhelming, so burdensome, that you'll find yourself going back to the old man that's supposed to be dead. And the only way he comes back alive is because we let him. I heard a friend of mine say, you have to put your foot on his neck and don't let him up. I say this, that we just keep running to Jesus. We don't need to worry about the old man. We focus on Jesus and let him deal with the rest. So if you bow your heads real quick, we're going to go before the Father. Lord God, I ask you that whatever that came from me, that it would be all of you and none of me. Father, you know each one of my brothers and sisters where they're at right now. I believe that everyone in this room desires to be the peculiar people you have called us to be. Let the church become that now. Father, we desire to die to ourselves fully and that you would be glorified in that. Father, throughout this week, would you meet my brothers and sisters right where they're at? And would you remind them of how much love that you have for them, but you just simply want them to follow you and trust you? And I know in this world today that that sounds like insanity to trust a God that we cannot see. But I know that you didn't bring us this far to leave us. And I would rather trust you, whom I cannot see, but I know to be true and real than I would a world that is dying day by day and only loves itself. So, Lord, I ask that you would keep each one of my brothers and sisters and guide them throughout this week. Father, I pray that whatever Bible studies, whether it be church directed or just a husband and a wife together, whatever that they're doing this week, would you speak into their lives today and remind them that you love them? Would you encourage them to draw near to you? Because as they draw near to you, you've already promised that you would draw near to them. So it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.